Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. Tonight's episode's coming out a little bit later than normal, being at the end of the day on Tuesday instead of the beginning. And part of that is due to the fact that Father's over in China. So if during today's episode it comes in a little bit choppy or anything like that, um, that's part of the reason why he's literally halfway across the world. <laughs> so, um, Father, I, I did want to start with a question from Mass from a couple of weeks ago. And it was during the Easter season. And it was the passage whenever Jesus was saying, love one another as I have loved you. So there's kind of the evolution of my life growing up there. So at first it was just, you know, love each other like you love yourselves. And I think for most people, that's a good road. Most people are nice to themselves. But as you grow up, you learn that that's not always the case. <laughs> Sometimes people make self-bad decisions and all that. So then I started to think about, well, what does that mean, the way that, that Jesus loved you? And then you can think of the passion. And, and for some people, that's just too much to be able to comprehend that, that someone's willing to die for you. And then I started to think of it in more of the, the day-to-day things, the things that all of us deal with every day. And this is almost certainly proof of him being fully divine as well as being fully human is that Jesus didn't really let people down. You know, when he said he was going to do something, he did it. Might not have always understood it, but he did it. And he never had a moment where it wasn't, you weren't worth his time, so to speak. And in all the gospels articulate that in their own various ways throughout them. And it made me start being just in the state of wow and in wonderment that if you really start thinking about love each other the way Jesus loved you, that's a really, really hard task to try to accomplish. There's a, the, the, there's a standard there that is going to be pretty hard to, to meet. So I wanted to start with that as, as the guidelines, see if I'm, thinking this too much as I've been known to do or if or if this is the direction we're supposed to go with thinking about the passage from there so with that being said I'm going to hand the court over to you father and let you take it from there yeah Joe great uh great insights you are right on the mark and you're so right about the development from the old testament law of love one another, uh, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, which Jesus uses to summarize the whole law together with love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. But then at the Last Supper, Jesus speaks that new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, or the Greek is also accurately translated as love one another as I love you in the present tense, as I am loving you. And uh, that's important. I want to come back to that in a moment. But your reflection on how does Jesus love us is a great reflection. And and I think your own prayer shows us the way that the, the Lord wants to teach us that. You know, it's interesting that you came to this at this particular time and kind of the way that your own reflections developed, starting with the passion, which is always the fullest revelation of God's love is, is Jesus dying on the cross for us. It's really, 
just goes beyond anything we can really fully comprehend. The suffering that he takes on, the way that he takes on the sin of the whole world, the, the even the experience of abandonment and separation from the Father as he enters into our sin. You can go on and on. It's really an endless, it's an, it's an eternity of reflection just in the passion to really comprehend the way that he loves us there. Um, but then to take that the a few steps out and to look at the example from from his public ministry and then what we know about him. I mean, Jesus says, I am with you always until the end of the world. And that kind of presence uh, and fidelity that he never lets us down, that he sees our deepest needs, that he provides for us, that he's uh, totally trustworthy. He's really the example of of every human virtue in the, in the supreme degree. And so um, looking at all of those different ways that he loves us is, is beneficial anyway, because it's good for us to be in touch with the love that he has for us. And just reflecting on how does Jesus love me is uh, leads us into, into some beautiful places as you already described for us from your own prayer and reflection, Joe. So I really want to encourage our listeners also just to take up that question. How does Jesus love me? How do I, how would I define or describe the quality of his love, the way that he loves? And then to make sure to apply that to myself, he doesn't just love people that way. He loves me that way. And that's part of his command. Love one another as I love you. And he's speaking to us personally. He's not just speaking, you know, you in general, but you personally. So um, for us to apply that to ourselves is is so valuable. And then as you translated it, and it, as it is accurately translated, and we see it in some uh, versions of the scripture, love one another as I have loved you, invites us to look at the love of Jesus in the past. Uh, so we look to the scripture. How has he loved us? Well, he laid down his life for me. He loved me so much that he gave everything for me. Uh, I see how he loved Others, uh, healing them, preaching the the good news, leading us closer to the Father, uh, so many things from the scripture. So we we reflect on his love in the past, love one another as I have loved you, look to my example and imitate it. This is a a good foundation of those, uh, there was that popular movement a few years ago now, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do?, well, we look to his example and we try to imitate it. The imitation of Christ is also a, a book in our Catholic tradition, which is the most sold book in the uh, the most uh, w- widely sold book in uh, Christianity, anyway, next to the Bible, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. So looking to an imitation of Christ is um, is a good starting point. But then we can also translate that scripture as love one another as I love you. And we can look at that in two different ways. He is loving us now. He didn't just love us in the past. He is loving us now. And so uh, as he is, we also love one another. We have to, we have to be open to the way that Jesus is with us and loving us now. But then we could take that another step and we could say, love one another as I love you. So as he is loving us now, we love one another. And that has a sense of 
his love flowing through us. So almost like we open our hearts to receive his love. And then as his love fills our hearts, we let it spill over into everyone else. And so there's this kind of open channel or uh, this, this open container that gets filled to overflowing with his love. And it's that very same love. So I don't just love other people with my own love. I love other people with the love of Jesus, which means that I need to be constantly filled with his love. And then I then spill that love over to other people. So we should really know that fulfilling this command is not just something that I can do by trying harder, uh, not just something I can do by mustering up my own willpower. It's not something I can do by just um, copying, imitating Jesus, but it's really something I can do only because he is actively loving me now. And it's that very love that is able to fill up and spill over. And so uh, anyway, just offer a, a several reflections inspired by your, your beautiful insight, Joe. And uh, let me just say one more thing to affirm your uh, approach and to encourage our listeners to do the same thing. Listen carefully. You know, um, you heard this scripture at Mass. It, we always hear it on Holy Thursday, and then it gets repeated several times also in the Easter season. And if people are following along with the readings at Mass, or people just reading their Bibles, and be open to the, the scriptures hitting you in a new way, uh, just opening up questions and reflecting on those questions and trying to take the Bible more literally in the sense that, wow, can I really love people as Jesus loves me? What if I took that really literally? What if I took that to a, in a more radical way? And it's so good for us to be open to that, be challenged by that. So anyway, I just want to encourage listeners to follow your good example, Joe. It's a, it's a great example of how we're called to, we're called to much more. You know, if, if you feel like you've already uh, arrived and you've successfully mastered Christianity, you are sorely mistaken because that very commandment that you just pointed out to us, Joe, is the one that we never live up to. It's the one that we never fully master, that we never totally fulfill. None of us ever loves as fully as Jesus loves. It's always a work in progress. So that's a, that's a great one to set our horizon a little far, farther, not, not fall for false peaks, but uh, really keep going to the heights. Absolutely. And where... Where you just mentioned there is something that I think that in America we have a, a great challenge with, considering the fact that all of what we have as far as what we're building as a society and technology is to be able to grasp things very quickly the first time and to not have to spend extra time on it. You know, you look at, at just the evolution of vehicles when I was growing up, you had to actually crank the window to get it to go up. And you look at the way they sell luxury cars now, there's not a single thing you actually have to do aside from pushing a button. And the correlation I'm bringing this back to the Bible being is that in a sense, it is kind of um, a highlight because there's no way to fully detail every second of, of a lifetime. It's just impossible. 
So it jumps from element to element. But in doing so, there's a lot that if you sit back and think about what was required for something to happen, um, it's really a lot more. So just another example that that, that popped to me. And if I mix it up, please correct me because I do mix them up sometimes. But I believe it was... Jesus was inside a house. This was when he was doing his ministry and there was just such a large crowd around him that not everyone could get him to talk to him and try to ask him for help. And these two guys had either a friend or a sibling that was sick. So they got up on the roof and then basically dropped him down through the roof and then jumped in like in the middle of, of the room where Jesus was. And you think about, A, how thick a crowd has to be around a building to keep you from being able to get inside of it. Um, And then, B, to have that kind of belief that going through this ordeal is going to be worth it. Because just like then, people didn't like you jumping on top of their roofs for no reason. There would be ramifications for that. There would be be risks um, societally and probably legally that if you get caught jumping on someone's roof, it's probably not going to end up well for you, but they got past all of that to make it happen. So that was to kind of go off your point that, you know, reading, reading for the sake of getting through it and not paying attention, you will miss some things inherently. And I think that's why rereading it, you always find something new. You know, it, it's not like a a story you read to your children where it's not that deep. You can read it once, you got it. You know, the moral of the story is whatever. Um, but w- with the gospel, there's just so much more going on there. And getting back to the, the starting point here is how Jesus loved you. He only really gets to a spot where people would consider him mean, even if you would go that way only once or twice. And that would be if you're the money changer in front of the temple and you just got your entire table just thrown up in the air. Now, some now obviously those money changers are upset and they consider that as mean and that's not cool, but it's also Jesus saying that no matter how divine you are no matter how infinitely patient you are there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong and when you get to a thing that's wrong you need to fight it it's not always about being soft and fluffy so but the rest of all of it he had so many of opportunities to be angry at people like the pharisees go out of their way to try to trap him into intellectual traps, into physical legal traps, to try to get him to essentially throw his ministry away. And never once does he snap at them. He always figures out how to beat them. But the point is, he doesn't hold a anger or resentment. There's always just love. And that's, as he says, love your enemy as yourself. But that's a... That's a very hard thing to do. And I know I just went in a lot of different elements there, a lot of different directions, but trying to keep it on the 
original focus here. I want to give it back to you and let you straighten me out. <laughs> well, uh, I love your enthusiasm about the infinite riches of scripture and reading things again and again. And I love your, your insight about, you know, how thick is a crowd that you actually can't get somebody in the door. I hadn't actually thought about that detail, but that's the kind of thing that comes to us when we start to, you know, the first time we read the scripture, we, we sort of take it in its own category. And it's like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on there, things you don't expect. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of details that kind of stand out and seem a little strange. And then you start to tease out some, you know, usually some moral application, you get some particular point from it. And you kind of take for granted the weirdness of it, you know, this, like, the fact that this, there's so, such a big crowd, it's like, what is what does that crowd look like? And when does that ever happen? And okay, well, you just take it for granted. But then as you as you keep reading, you go back to that, and you go, No, I mean, this is like, that's, that's a big crowd. Like, what's that big crowd doing there? What's that, you know, what would that be like? And then maybe you transport yourself. I was just, as you mentioned, I'm here in, in Beijing and in China. And uh, I was out at the, I went to the Forbidden City yesterday. And there's a huge crowd that we had to stand in as they checked our passports and some other things. And, but, uh, you know, so you start to think about those real experiences that you have and you place those in scripture and you go, wow, that's, man, he was really drawing a crowd. And like, how did those people get there? You know, they didn't like drive their cars there and they walked and do after that. And then you get those little details, like Jesus was sensitive to the fact that they were going to be hungry and they could faint along the way if they had to go back. And so they should provide food, told his disciples, you give them some food yourselves which of course, how are they going to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children? So anyway, uh, as, you, as you start to press into those details and get your head into the, the world of the scriptures a little bit more, it is fantastic. It's, it's so amazing to enter into that, to pray in that. And it really is a, a lifetime. And well, hundreds, you know, I mean, millions of lifetimes there's so many people that have reflected on these scriptures have written on them and and there's still new insight that's coming and new personal experiences and new ways that it fits together with our own lives so uh, yeah it's really really rich so good to pray with the scripture every day keep getting all of that let that be the logic that forms your heart and mind and then you, you pointed out joe the you know, Jesus resisting evil. And that's what anger is a, is a proper human emotion. It's different than losing your temper. You know, that's, there's, there's a quality of anger which can be measured and intentional. And it's hard, it's hard to wield anger in a way that's, that's perfect, that's really virtuous, that's really Christ-like. So, so we don't see that many examples of Jesus getting angry, but there are sometimes that he resists evil. He resists things that are wrong. And he does that in a virtuous way without losing his cool, without losing his mind, without being red-faced with anger or seeing red. Those are all ways that anger has corrupted our faculty of reason. And then we have a, an anger that becomes unreasonable. But uh, there's a way that anger can even be guided by reason. And when Jesus resists the Pharisees and the religious leaders, woe to you Pharisees, 
you place on people's shoulders burdens hard to carry without lifting a finger to help them. You have closed the door of heaven uh, to yourselves and have closed it to everyone else. And I mean, he really rails, you know, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, if the things that had happened and you had happened in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. It will be worse for you on that day than Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. So it's, uh, he has some pretty strong language that he applies on many occasions in the scripture. But he does that without, again, losing his reason. He's able to, uh, to wield his anger in a way that resists evil. And he does that out of love for his enemies. We might think he hates the Pharisees. He doesn't hate the Pharisees. He wants the Pharisees to be saints. He wants to bring about the conversion of the Pharisees. But with the Pharisees, because they are so hardened, because they are so set in their own evil ways, the only way to really break through to them is through that anger. And so Jesus uses these strong words to to resist them and to drive against their logic and to disarm them and to break through that hardened heart. And so he does that out of love for them. And that's how anger also should be wielded, not just to vent our frustration or to indulge our rage or to satisfy our revenge. That's not virtuous. That's sinful. But there is a way that we can use anger to resist evil and to express love for those who would otherwise be trapped in a in a place of evil. So, so it is true. And then you just mentioned uh, the last thing you said, Joe, was about loving our enemies. And that's where when we hear the command of Jesus, love one another as I love you. Wow, well, that's, that's really something else when we start to apply that to our enemies, that we could actually love our enemies that way. And that's where we also see the example of Jesus who says from the cross that he, he asks God, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And for him to do that to the people that pounded nails through his wrists to fasten him to this cross after beating him to death and making him carry the cross the whole way to to Calvary after ridicule and torture, he begs the Father to forgive them. Love one another as I have loved you. So it really sets a standard that is hard to grasp and and gives us a lifetime of work to do. Absolutely. And it makes it hard because one of the virtues as we discussed was prudence, just knowing and, and knowing where everything is in its pecking order and its priority. And that alone is challenging because when we have elements that seem that there's two different directions that are justified here and not knowing what to do. Obviously, you know, Christ is divine. He has divine. He knows what the answer is as a result, you know, to, to get to that level is, is obviously going to be something that's very hard. Once you get into some of these finer splitting hairs, as far as, you get moral choices. What what should you do? Or even maybe amoral choices. You know, who should you talk to? Who should you call first when inviting people out? You know, like 
it, it, it's stuff like that. Um, so I, I definitely want to continue this conversation here as we're kind of drawing to the end of today's cast. Um, I want to leave you with the opportunity to give us some final thoughts as we move forward into the following week. Well, I think I would just say, Joe, is to reiterate the broad uh, encouragement for our listeners. Read the scripture. Read it slowly. Read it often. Read it again and again. And let yourself be guided by the Holy Spirit. And then the more particular application, which you brought up, love one another as I love you. Think about that. And ask for help. We should really feel our own helplessness. How could I possibly do that? Ask for help. If you really want it, Jesus will help you with it. So ask him, help me, Lord, to love as you love. And what a a great way to end it on. So we thank everyone for listening and being with us here this week. We'll be with you again next week. Thank you.